Welcome to King Street Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you as much as it has blessed us. If you would like to sow into what God is doing here at King Street Church, head over to kingstreet.church. That's kingst.church. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the message. Give me just a second. I want to share with you where we're picking up at, and it won't, it won't take that long uh, to do, but just hold on to Genesis 1. We're going to go to Genesis 1. We'll, we'll look over a number of passages. We'll probably end up in Colossians for a minute, and then we're going to land in Philippians uh, chapter number 3, I think it is. Uh, I'll tell you when we get there. Uh, so if you were here last Sunday night, uh, if you were here Sunday morning, I was not. I was undone. So uh, I, I was in another realm, uh, just completely undone. And I'm not sure I want, I've been put back together, and I'm not sure I want to be. Uh, and I'm just trying to stay tender to what the Lord is doing in, in, in my heart. Uh, but there were so many things that were simple statements uh, that, were, that we could tell, I could tell, I bore witness that God was weaving together, that there was a place where some things that God had been doing and God was wanting to say to us were weaving themselves together. And I was getting a very clear uh, picture for where we were to go next. And, uh, and as Luke and I had talked about it sort of the night before, sort of the things that the Lord had been stirring after him having really brought us back to this foundational place of understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which ultimately serves not just to tell us that we're really great, but it serves to set us free from trying to earn what God has already provided. And that's, that's the, I think, the most important piece that is being opened up to us because what that does afterwards is it causes us to then if there's nothing to earn, then everything that's done after that is in love. Amen? So if you, anybody that's ever been married knows that, that, that life is one way when you date, but once you are married, the, your love is now, your, your affection, your, your honor is now what drives you doing the same things that you used to do to try to earn, now you do out of love. And we are the bride of Christ, right? So, so this is what we are discovering. And, uh, and, and as much as that vocational side of what is, what, is, um, what is the outworking of understanding that we are the righteousness of God it is important. And it is, it is completely transitioning in my life personally, but it also needs to be confronted, the, voca- the vocational side. We also have the, the side of it, that, that I, which I would like to talk about today, which is more than just the vocational side, but it, it really is the depths of who we are. And out of that, I think, you know, the Scripture, the Scripture doesn't look at things the way that we do. And this is really important to understand because whenever you teach anything like, similar to what I'm going to teach this morning, but whenever anything is taught to us, that there, there is a path in the scripture, there's a path in God called the narrow way. 
And the narrow way has lots of forks off of it. There are forks towards humanism, and there are forks towards selfish desire, and there are forks all. But the narrow way continues in a singular direction to see how far the Lord will take us. And, and for those that are in the Spirit, that walk in the Spirit, there are checks along the way. There's a, there's a way that the Lord works and, and, and operates in our life, teaching us and telling us that we're sons. There's a bearing witness of us that calls us into the deeper places of God. But we can't go into the deeper places of God. We can't understand what it is that God has designed for us and for the hour and for the age that we have been assigned to if we don't yet have faith. That sounds like a broad statement that ended abruptly, but it's really true. Because what, I, what we have to do, what we have to do is we have to approach the Scripture And as we read it this morning, allow it to do its own work and to confront us in the ways that it intends to. And this is really going to be the basis of the way that we're going to talk for the next few weeks. What I really feel like the Lord is trying to introduce us to is he's trying to introduce us again afresh to who we are as believers and as image bearers of God. Okay? image bearers of God. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. I want to open up this conversation though this morning that we are made in the likeness in the image of God. So if you've got Genesis chapter number one, this is going to be really good this morning. I'm looking forward to it. Genesis chapter number one. We know I'm going to quote some passages that we have read a lot of times, but let's read through them uh, here. We're going to read through a couple of passages and we'll look at the way that this is developed here in the beginning of the text and then on into the new covenant as well. So Abba, I pray in this place in Jesus' name that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that we would know the hope of your calling, that our eyes would be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling and what is the glorious inheritance of your riches in the saints. I thank you, Father, that, uh, that you have, um, in the midst of your people, that you have sh- called us out of darkness and into marvelous light, that you have transferred us, conveyed us, the scripture says, from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of the son of your love. And I, I pray this morning that you would open up, that you would unveil scripture, that you would open us up that revelation a revealing of the of the things that have previously always been but have been hidden from our eyes that our hearts would come alive because of your word and your truth as it is made fresh to us and opened up to us in a living way we bless you lord we thank you that this access is for us and it has been made available to us to all of the things that you've given for life and godliness because of who jesus is and because of his desire to bring many sons to glory with him so we honor you this morning and we thank you for a spirit of revelation in this house according to your word In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter number one, very familiar text, says this, um, starting in verse number 26. Then God said, 
God has obviously made all of creation. We understand that a habitation for him to dwell with man um, and for man to rule over and to have dominion. He has not yet introduced man, and now he is going to make his initial thoughts concerning the, uh, what he is next going to create as his representation in the earth. He says, uh, it says, then God said, and he says, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Just for food. I don't want Yeah, you get it? Yeah. It's, it's for food. Every green herb for food. Uh, and, it, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So this is what we're introduced to. We're introduced to what God has to say about man. God says, let, uh, when, he be, when he decides how he's going to, and I believe for, for the purpose for which he created um, the earth, was for his glory, and I believe that, uh, that his glory is expressed in this thing that he is now doing, that he would make man in his own image. He made you and I in his own image. Now, this is really incredibly important because I want to make a statement here that is foundational to the way that we understand God and the way that we understand ourselves. One of the worst, one of the trappings of, of, of reading that is that we can say, oh, then I know what God is like. He's like me. God is not like us. The, us being made in man's, in God's image, it doesn't say God, Blaise Pascal famously said years ago, in the beginning God made man in his image and man in turn returned the favor, right? That, that we would make God to be like us, right? And it's what we do. And we don't realize how subtly we do it. We do it a lot. We do it often. It's when we say things like, well, God is a father, and I know what it's like to be a father. Here's the problem. He's a perfect father, and your father was not perfect. And you, if you relate to God, no matter how good your dad was, he is still not God, like God is as a father. Matter of fact, your father is a representation of what God is like, that he could actually even be a father. But your father and every other father in all of humanity put together with their greatest traits still does not fully express the beauty and the wonder of who God is as father. 
Why do I say that's important? Because what we do all of the time with the scripture is we try to superimpose the world that we live in upon the scripture and what God has written. And the scripture is not, I'm going to say a pretty controversial statement, but the scripture is not merely supposed to make sense of this world. It's supposed to manifest as a world that is coming in an age that is in us. The kingdom of God. So, when we say man is, that mankind is made in God's image, we are not saying that we can look at man to see what God is like. At least not fully. What we are saying is we can look at God to see what man is like. To see what we've been made like. And this... This could be maybe the most important thing that I could say this morning that would shift the way that we think about discipleship, the way that we think about devotion, the way that we think about the world around us. God's been speaking to me a, a ton about creativity, but he's been especially speaking to me about beauty, about the beauty of Jesus. I, I, we were here last Sunday night, and I was talking to you. Um, it, it, well, I wasn't talking to you. I was probably exhorting myself. Um, but I was talking to us about, uh, I heard the whisper of the Lord that said the reason uh, that, that in order to, in order to experience, in order to be marked by God's presence. Now, now there's not a place that he's not present. He, he, if I make my bed in Sheol, he's there. But in order to, in order to um, engage and, and be marked by God's presence, we need to be present. Most of us, uh, the reason we come, when we come together in a worship experience like we had this morning and the Spirit of God is shining lights on hearts all over this place, most of us are, are so wrapped up with the problems of the world that we can't see the God of glory. It's because we're not present. We don't know how to be present. We, we, are, we have our eyes trained to lesser things. We have our heart anchored to lesser things. And so when he's moving in our midst, we are waiting for God, if you would do something, we're waiting on him to do something that's going to, that's going to wake us up. And he's kind and he's faithful to do that. But that's really not our role. Our role is to glorify him because of who he is. There's only so many times that we really ought to be in our maturity, in our maturing state, that we should have to be interrupted from loving other things in order for him to call us back and to see him for who he is. We should be growing out of that. How many of you know that if you look upon him, there's no one like him? I believe that the reason why we are still... Um, why, why, I believe that, that we could really grow in this idea of being present. And, and so I, I just started to try to wrap my mind around being present. I mean, it's important that we're present everywhere, not just here. It, 
being present as a father, being present as a husband, being present as a wife, being present as a being present where we are, capturing our focus and our attention to where we are assigned to, being present, not, not looking for somewhere else to be, not living grass is greener on the other side, not, not for looking for somewhere else, but just being present where the Lord is with us and where he has us because he has ordered our footsteps. I, I don't know if you heard me this morning. The reason why you're at your job is because God ordered your footsteps. The reason why you are standing where you are is because God has ordered your footsteps. And, and I, I, I want to say that I, I'm, now I'm going way off, but I, I think you, we got to get this deep in our spirit. Um, there, in the kingdom, how many of you are kingdom people? How many of you believe that you've been born again into the kingdom of Almighty God? The kingdom does not have problems. The kingdom just has wisdom that hasn't yet been found. There is no problems in the kingdom. There are no, in heaven, there is no issue trying to find out who's going to govern and what they're going to do about the, who's going to pay for the wedding feast. No, there's none of that in heaven. The kingdom doesn't have any problems. The kingdom has wisdom that God is waiting for kings to come and search out. God is, God has wisdom that he is calling the, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Do you realize you are made to search for the deep things of God in the kingdom, not to complain about what you don't have, but to realize that God has given you everything that we need for life and godliness and to find the wisdom in God that unravels the plans of the enemy. We need to be wisdom seeking. Okay, so we are made in the image of God. We are, we are image bearers of God. We are those who we can look on God and on him as we look, we will grow and, and see who it is that we're made to be. I, said, I was talking about being present. I think the accompaniment to being present um, is this. I believe we were made to live in hope. I believe hope is to the future what beauty is to the present. I believe the best way for us to be present where we are is to simply see the beauty of Jesus where we are and to meditate our heart and our lives upon that. I believe that's one of the things that God wants to call us into more than any other thing. And by the end of today, I'm going to show you that as I show you what the New Testament says about us as image bearers. So Genesis 1 says that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Now, Origen and some of the early fathers um, tried to separate the two of these things. Try to separate being made in the image and likeness of God because they didn't know what to do with the fact that, um, that man after his fall, that the Bible says that he would die, um, that if you eat of the tr tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And because he didn't die, they tried to superimpose on this text that there's a difference between image and likeness, that the likeness had been removed, but the image remained. I don't know whether or not I can buy into that. I didn't do enough research into the Hebrew. I, this is probably just using what they normally do in Hebrew, which is use, saying the same thing twice for emphasis. So it's probably, it's a... Uh, I forget what it's called, Hebraism maybe, um, where they say it's oftentimes happens in the psalm where the same thing is said twice. So it's probably what's happening here. Not the important point. The important point is this. The important point is that God did not relent from his design over mankind, including you and me, as being image bearers of God. He didn't relent from it. As a matter of fact, um, 
Genesis 1 says they were made in the image of God. And we know that the enemy came into the garden and he and said to Eve, what? Said, uh, and we've talked about this a number of times, but it's good for the conversation this morning. What did the enemy say to Eve? He said, eat of the knowledge, uh, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God. What is the one thing up to that point that we know about Adam and Eve? That they are like God. But what is the enemy always trying to get us to do? Chase our tail getting what we've already got. That's why he's had us trying to be righteous when we were righteous by the blood for all of this time. He's got us busy chasing our tail to earn what we already have. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whether or not you got up this morning and read your Bible like you were supposed to, all 12 verses, or not. You're righteous by the blood, not by your works. You do not get up every morning to try to... He will keep us walking in circles, chasing our own tail, trying to earn what we already have. And because you can only have in the kingdom by faith, if you don't believe you have it, guess what? You don't got it. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to lie to us, to offer us what he doesn't have, to get us to earn what God already made us. Come on. That's why when God calls you a prophet, he tries to tell you, then go out and find out you're not really a prophet. You're going to go out and find out what it means to be a prophet, grow up and be a prophet. No, he said you are, not you will be. When he says you are, and prophet was, uh, you know, whatever the example is, somebody in this room might not believe in prophets, that's, that's okay. Um, if you ain't got faith, you ain't got none, right? That's a, yeah, right? Because what does the Bible say? If you receive a man as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, as we believe. So it's important that we believe this morning that we are the image of God. Well, didn't Adam lose being the image of God? No. No, he didn't. He did not. And it's proven, it's proven if you jump over um, the, the word, it's called the image of God. And then as an example of what the image of God is, if you went to Genesis chapter number five, it says that when Adam had a son, that son was named Seth, and Seth was made in the image of Adam. It's a likeness. It, it is that he is, that he is to mature and to look more and more like Adam as he grows up. To look, that Seth was to the first Adam the way that we are to the second Adam, that we are, as we mature as sons and daughters of God, that we will more and more bear the image of the last Adam, the Christ. I'll show that to you in the New Testament here in just a few minutes. But in case we didn't understand that, um, in case we thought that that Adam had been, when he had been banished, when, he, when God came and found him, that he was no longer the image of God, God reiterates in Genesis chapter number nine, um, in verse number six and seven, this is what he says to Noah after the flood. He says this, whoever sheds man blo man's blood by his blood shall be shed for in the image of God, he made man. And as, as for you be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply. So God adds in this portion 
After the debacle with Cain and Abel, where he says, I will curse those um, that put a hand on him, he started, and that his blood had cried out from the earth, God adds to what he had said in the garden to protect his image bearer. To protect his image bearer. So he says, man is still my image, therefore, if you harm him. The, the conversation about being an image bearer is going to overlap again in the New Testament, and the the you can almost parallel the two because the last time that the word, that, that image bearer topic is in James, it's the same thing. It says you can't speak blessings out of your mouth and cursings, blessings and cursings out of your mouth, blessing and cursing the image of God. God, God so is united to this partnership that he desires that we would have the same honor and reverence, at least a minuscule honor and reverence for, for his creation and his created ones as the image bearers of God. And he, uh, he aligns this over you and over me so that, um, so that he says, if you harm them, it is like you are trying to mar my image. Do you know that God feels that way about you? That he has such a protection over your life, and you don't even have to know it or understand it, but he has such a protection over your life that he says, my glory is tied up in that, so if I'm for them, who can be against them? God has such a desire. Because we are the image, the, the bearers, the, the same way in the Old Testament they would create idols. Why did God say not to have any graven images? Because he already has an image. It's you and me. And he says, I won't, if, if, I won't let anything touch it or mar it, even if it's one of you, even if my people, if I have to say so again and again, I will say to you, you cannot harm one another because you are image bearers of me. It's glorious, and it reflects the, the way that we see him, the way that we treat one another. It's actually worship, right? Because image bearers, now, now, the way that we love one another is a part of the way that we view the nature of the divinity and, and how it's expressed, how we honor what even is from him. It's glorious, and he assigns it this way. He has made you and me to be image bearers of God. Now, now it, this has not been marked, this has not been, if this has not been removed, even though it has been overshadowed, if it's not been removed all the way after the fall and after the flood, then what happens that, that causes the people to not be fruitful and multiply, to not act like what he said in the beginning. Well, obviously, we know what it is, that there, but I believe that there's, I believe it is, of course it's sin, but I believe it's part of the effects of sin too. And this is what's really interesting, and I, I, I noticed this last night, and, and it seems to be important to me. And I, so I believe that because we are the image of God, I believe that much of our maturing, which is what the earth is longing for, much of our maturing as sons and daughters of God um, is that has been perverted into doing has to be redeemed uh, 
in being. What I mean by that is we, we have got to have a revelation that, that who we are is important to God. That who you are is important to God. That you are important to God. Not that you will be important to God but that you today are important to God. That you today, as you are, are important to him. I, I don't know how much we get that. I think, I think the maturation process is way different than the way that we've seen it. Um, Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He, in the new covenant, the Bible says that he is the expressed image of God. In other words, he's the perfect image bearer of God. But it says, the Bible says that we are perpetually, you could go to Colossians, you can go to second Corinthians and you can go and look and you'll see that he has made it so that we too we too are, have been made in the image and the likeness of Jesus, who is the perfect expressed image of God. I believe that what's happening in the church more than anything is there is a constant in the way that we preach, in the way that we teach, in the way that we think about discipleship, in the way that we see one another. There is a constant assignment. It is the doctrine of demons that causes us to constantly look at each other and at ourselves with lack. As if we are not. Do you know that the scripture says in Romans chapter number one, did you know that the scripture says that the, that the authorship of perversion in Romans one, that it goes on to say that they, they made God like something that could be worshiped. Did you know it says the authorship of perversion is, is authored by those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness? Suppress the truth and unrighteousness. What is the truth? The truth is you're an image bearer of God. The truth is you, that you are important to God and that God only made one of you and he made one because he wanted one. What is the unrighteous? What is suppressing the truth? Suppressing the truth is saying you should be somebody else because then people would appreciate you more. What does that look like? That looks like I'm going to put on the clothes of somebody else. I'm going to pretend to be somebody else and I'm going to try to emulate somebody else. And I'm going to make myself look like somebody else and I'm going to say I'm somebody else. And I'm going to change my name and my outfit and my, all of this. I'm going to change everything about me and I'm going to try to hide behind being somebody else. And what is it? The, the truth is that you are loved by God. It is suppressed by the those who refuse to realize that by God, un, that righteousness means that God wanted man, God loved man, and you are made to be an image bearer of God, and those that are in Christ Jesus are as they should be. That we, that the, the authorship of what is attacking a generation is those that suppress the truth that, that the love of God says over you. You are as you should be in Christ Jesus. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
those outside of righteousness constantly trying to put on one another and on ourselves these earning systems that are going to make us feel like we already are. And what are we doing? We're chasing our tail. Come on. Tell me nobody's ever lived there before. I grew up there in God. That's where, that was my spot. Chasing my tail, right? Fasting and praying for an anointing. Oh, y'all don't don't know nothing about that. You, You have absolutely no idea about that. Trying to earn everything, just knowing that if I gritted my teeth harder than the person next to me, God was gonna pour out favor on my life, and then it was gonna be an example for me to act like a Pharisee towards them. Oh, no, y'all didn't, y'all didn't go to that church? Some of y'all went to that church. You know you did. Uh, that, say it ain't so. What were we doing? We were chasing our tail, denying who we were. So what happens when you, I'm going to make this real simple this morning. So what are you going to look at if you're not going to look at your tail? Because let me tell you something. If... If that's how you look at yourself, you're never going to feel good anyway. (laughs) What were we made to look at, though? We are the image bearer of God, so to know who we are, who do we have to look at? It's real simple to me. If we're to know who we are, who do we have to look at? God, right? So when Adam left the garden, catch this. When Adam left the garden, the people still heard God. Right? But nobody saw him. What happened? You couldn't see him anymore. So what does Jesus come and say? He comes and says, blessed are the, he comes and says, um, having ears they do not hear and having eyes they do not see, but it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he says, your eye is the light of the body. He says that. He says your eye is the light of the body. If your light, if your eye be whole, then your whole body will be whole. What is he doing? Well, what is the scripture in with? The, if you walk through all of the beginning of the, uh, of the New Testament, I don't have time to go through all of these verses, but again, it says over and over again in Colossians, he is the expressed image of God. And it says this, it says, um, it says that, that he is the firstborn of many brethren. That it says he is the head over the church so that he would have the preeminence in all things. So everything that comes after him would be like him. But he was the firstborn from the dead so that he would be the first of that race of people, the image bearers of God, and all would find their alignment in him. So what is he doing? He's restoring us into the image. But what's he restoring us into? He's restoring us into the perfect image of the one who cannot fail. He's restoring us into the perfect image of the one who cannot fail. So then why do we fail if we are being restored into the image of the perfect one who cannot fail? Because we look at our tail instead of our God. Y'all liking that analogy, aren't you? I might run that one a little bit. Um, No, 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 because we are looking at what's missing instead of what is. And so what happens? So he develops this all the way until in 1 Peter it says we are to be partakers of the divine nature. Two things happen when you look at God. One is you see who you are, and the other is, equally important, you see who you are not. 
And part of seeing who you are not is seeing that we are made like God, but we are not God. And that's the ditch on the road to talking about image bearer, right? And both of those things work together to mature us. So what happens, he develops it in 2 Peter. James says what he says about not marring the image of God, rightly deciding and showing that we are made in the image of God. Peter says we've been partakers of the divine nature. And what does all of the new covenant close with? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Because what's supposed to be filling our eyes? The beauty of Jesus Christ. The eyes like fire. The heaven that is to come. All right. We are made in the image and likeness of God. To, defi- to find ourselves to define ourselves outside of that is illegal. And to find ourselves, we have to look at who God is and to see the nature with which He's made us. If you've got your Bible, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something. And I, I really I think something's getting ready to happen in this place. Um, Philippians chapter number three says this. This is gonna be so good. Somebody's gonna get found this morning. Somebody's going to get found this morning. But what things, he says this, Philippians chapter number three, starting in seven. Paul takes this exact same, the same thing. He said it in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and number 4. He said, Moses had a veil on his face, but we with unveiled face now look into a mirror that is dimly lit. I believe that if our eye is the light, that the reason why the mirror is dimly lit is because we need a a greater measure of of just the light of Christ. And I believe the more we look at him, the more we reflect him. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. The image in both sides of the mirror does not change. It just gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. If I look at me, I'm going to be disappointed. If I look at him, I'm going to see glory made to look at him, made to fix my eyes upon him. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes upon him. Fix your eyes upon the one. It's the only thing in the Bible that we're actually ever instructed to fix, is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to worry about figuring it out. You just have to fix your eyes upon Jesus to look on the beauty of the one. And as we encounter him over and over again, he makes everything else melt that isn't kingdom. Over and over again, we get found over and over again. Over and over again, we get set free from who we are not. Over and over again, we get set free. Over and over again, as we look into his eyes, as we continue to come to him, behold his beauty, all of the religion continues to melt. And in a moment, we, when we pu- pull our eyes away from it, we see everything else and we start to try to figure it out. And then when we look back at him, we see the one who is perfect and finished and says, well done, and that we are born again into the image, the reflection of the one over whom the Father says, I'm well pleased. Look at Jesus. Paul has been writing this way, but he writes to the Philippians, and the entirety of the chapter is to, I mean, the entirety of the book probably could just be summarized in the fact that he says, listen, be, um, be united together in Christ Jesus. Be humble in the midst of one another, for, um, for God is doing something in your midst, and, he, and it's all about being the righteousness of God. But he goes on in ch- chapter number three, and he says this, um, after giving his resume of why he could, um, what he would, 
what he gave up. We can read that part of verse number two. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. <laughs> That's bad. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He said that he's, this is what he's saying. He's going to go on and say more about this, but he basically says this. He said, in order to find Christ, I had to realize that I had to give up all of the things that I could point to and say that's how I got there on my own. And then he says, after having do, done that and found him, I'd give up anything else too. He said, I'm on this path of this one thing, and, and I don't have anything that I want to point to and say, those are the things that I did. When I brought those into the heavenly realm, they didn't have any value. When I said, but I did this and but I did that, I've been serving God for so long, and yet I couldn't find Christ. But when I gave it all up, when I stopped saying I'm mature and, and I pointed to all these things to say I'm God, see? See these things over here, I'm God's. See, I know him. I can point to, I go to Sunday school and I do it, and, and, and I've, I've been faithful and I give and I walk. And, I, and he says, yeah, I, I realize that none of those did any good on finding the actual Christ. On the encounter path that I was made for on the trail of, of being made, uh, of being radically transformed by the one who is beautiful, I found him on a road that I didn't know the steps on and that I couldn't say I got down on my own. And after having gotten to him, I would give up anything else. He can boast in me, but I can't. I can boast in him, but I can't boast in me. I can't say I got here. He says this, uh, and being for whom I suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. That righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Come on, somebody that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He said, God, he said, this thing that I have found in Christ, I've been found in him. And now since I've been found in him, I find that it's expanding to the degree that I am joining together with all that he is to the point that I know where it will lead up is I will be not anymore. It will just be Christ left. And I will walk my leg of the race as he walked his leg of the race. And but where we will ultimately all be is on the other side of death, standing in the resurrection. Hallelujah. Right. But I want to I want to focus on this phrase right here and being that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That I may be found in him. I think where this passage came from, the reason why Paul says that is I think somewhere along the way somebody shared with him some of the parables of Jesus. The parables like when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who hid a treasure in a field. And after he had found it, he went and sold everything that he had to go and buy that field. Matthew 13, you can go there for yourself just real quick. Matthew 13, this is going to be, this is what I think grabbed hold of me last week, and this is why I want to share this. Matthew 13, uh, 31, another parable he put to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in a field. I'm sorry, that, um, where am I? Okay, uh, um, a little bit further down, uh, verse 44. I think it is. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it found. I started to get wrecked with this, this revelation. I believe it's what hit me and put me in the floor the way that I was just weeping and being undone last week. I believe this. I, I, I don't want to make a theological distinction. You don't have to believe me on this, but I believe there's a difference between being saved and being found. I believe it's possible to be saved. Saved language talks about being, you know, um, taken out of, uh, you know, take, taken out of uh, 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 damnation. I was saved. What were you saved from? Well, I was saved from hell, saved from death. I was saved from the grave. I, 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 you know, I, I was saved from eternal damnation. I was saved from hellfire. And believe me, I want to be saved. I, you, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be saved. I actually believe that you can be saved. I believe this. I believe that you can have faith in Jesus Christ, be saved, and never take one step into the kingdom of God. Why do I believe that? Because I believe in the kindness of the Father. That's why. 
I believe the kindness of the Father has led many, 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 many people because his mercy is so great and because he's so kind and he's so patient and because Jesus is a good husband who bears with the weaker vessel, I believe that, that, that there are people all over and, and all through eternity since the cross that have been saved from hell but never spent a minute here on earth in the kingdom. I believe it. I, I, you know why? Because I, I, and I now, now listen, I, I'm, I'm not saying that they are less than, I'm not saying that God loves any people any less. I'm not even saying that I know exactly who those people are. I just know that it's possible because I have heard for years and years and years without this understanding of righteousness by faith, people be consumed with trying to overcome sin on their own. And I believe those people were saved. I just believe they were chasing their tail. I do. I believe they were image bearers who had, were just looking at themselves, just chasing their tail over and 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 over again. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, we talked last week about the fact that uh, um, the, the Bible says that it transcribes to believers and these signs shall follow those that believe. It places all of this on the believers and, and these, those that believe shall speak with new tongues and cast out devils and it talks about all of these things and they're glorious and they're fine and they're wonderful but they're just the entrance into the kingdom. How do I know that? Because there were people that were able to do it. They were able to go before the king that, said, that he said, I didn't even know you. I didn't even know you were doing those things. I, apart from me, I, I don't know. But they were doing things that are ascribed to being kingdom things. I think we are supposed to be kingdom people. And I believe that God has paid for, has established, and is expanding his kingdom of peace and joy and righteousness. And I believe of its increase, there will be no end. I believe there's a counterculture that we are called to be a part of, you and me. And I believe you are a part of it. I just believe we've been chasing our tail. I believe we've been invited to be a part of the kingdom of Almighty God, to expand it, to, to see this region be filled with those, and honestly, not just the same old people. I'm talking about be saved. I believe, I believe this, I believe God is going to give us such a revelation of who we are in him, a confidence in Christ, that we're going to start to see that all of these, te I think we're going to see a move of God in the midst of the teenagers. I keep, for three weeks straight, I just keep seeing them down here. In my mind's eye, I just keep seeing them down here just worshiping, just worshiping, just worshiping. And I keep getting a sense of it every time we come in. Because I came in this morning and you didn't have all your problems with you. Nobody, we didn't have to get up and take the mic and say, look, God's going to take care of your problems. You came in, maybe you just got tired of fighting your problems. Or maybe we're starting to realize that we are God's. But something happened that was different in this place this morning. I, and I, 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 this is what I believe. I believe there's only more of that that's coming. I believe there's only more of that that's coming. 
So I believe Paul got a hold of this when, and somebody told him about these parables of Jesus. That the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, who when he found one great pearl, he sold all the rest. And I think he started to meditate on that and say, so who was that? Who was the pearl? The pearl is Jesus, right? Right? If you ever find Jesus, you may have a million other things, but, but if you ever find Jesus, you'll let go of everything like Paul did just to have Jesus, right? Because he's worth so much more. The pearl is Jesus, the pearl of great price, the pearl for which any man, if he ever saw it, the beauty of it, would make him sell all the rest of his pearls and give it all up for one. Or is it? Because Jesus is the one that is expounding on the kingdom of heaven, right? And who is the one that is the possessor of all of the pearls? He is. So, so could it be that the parable is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this? This is what happened. I had all these pearls, but I saw you. had all of heaven, but I left it because I saw the one thing I wanted. And Paul says, I was found in him. And I think that calls all the way back to the language of not chasing our tail. Because here's what God did to the people who had been, who tried to earn what they already had. They put fig leaves on themselves back there in Genesis, you remember? And what did God do? He came and found them. Why? Because they were still his. They were his image bearer. He knew who they were. I'm here to tell you this morning that, that, um, that, that Paul didn't say, I found him. He said, I was found in him. Ah. You know what I think happens? I think there's an, I, I believe this because it just keeps happening to me over and over and over and over again and over again. I found that I'll chase my tail for a while and then something will happen where he will come and he'll say, you're mine. He'll call my name and come and find me and an encounter happens and this is what happened. I find myself all over again. Whew. And I find that God's not trying to make me to be somebody else, that he actually made me as who I am and that he loves me and that when he comes after me, he reminds me of who I've always been. And the one thing I can say I am, I was saved when I was chasing my tail. But when he comes and encounters me, you know what I am? Found. Found. There's a lot of saved people who haven't been found. To rest in his arms, lay back, let him, and what he does is he comes and he says, it's all right. And, and he doesn't just say it's all right, like it's going to be okay. He's like, this, you, he starts to hear you and you start to hear him and then you see him and you see who you are and in a moment you realize that the way you think about yourself has been a lie the whole time that he doesn't think you really need to get it together. He, you know what I found out? That when God shows up, I don't get found out, I get found in. I thought all my life I was afraid of being found out. I'm starting to learn I'm afraid of not being found in. 
I need to be found in him over and over again. And I start to realize the things I don't even like about me. He says, I love those. And the things I want to be like somebody else and sound like somebody else and live like somebody else. He said, no, 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 I already had one of those. I got one of you. I can't, I don't want another one of them. I want one of you. And it stops making it so that I'm trying to fix myself all the time, hoping that, you know, i got to fix it before he finds out. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I, like I'm in the garden trying to cover everything before dad gets home, put the glue on the lamp. And, but he doesn't want to find me out. He, he keeps finding me in. Do you know that that word there, I sent this to Luke yesterday. I'm going to close with this. You know that word there, found, is probably not the best translation. I think it's good for the context, but there's, there's another way that a lot, of the, um, a lot of, of the translators, and it's specific to this one verse, that a lot of the translators say to the point where it's written in, um, in the lexicon and it's written in the Greek dictionary. It says this word, um, found, means I find, except in Philippians 3.9, where it could be translated, I surprise. In other words, you could have translated, and Paul said, um, when I let go of everything, not by my own righteousness, but by the righteousness that comes in Christ. I was surprised that I was in him. The righteousness of God, I thought one thing of myself, but I kept getting surprised by who I really am. You know, this is what will happen to you if you just yield your heart to the Lord and, and in faith just to begin to believe that he loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You'll be surprised over and over again that the things that you tried to fight for are just in your lap now. So it keeps happening to me. I, I, and I was in Blacksburg all week. I just, I don't know what would happen. Things would, I'd, I'd be riding down the road and... Um, and something would come into my mind, and, uh, and I would just say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I was surprised how much easier it was to live that way than trying to put my head down, close my eyes, shout, and you know what I'm talking about, try to make it go away, go away, go away. Demon, get out! You know, I was surprised when I just said, I believe I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I just keep getting surprised. I keep getting surprised that he's better than I thought he was. I keep getting surprised. Miss Angel, do you mind coming? Um, I keep getting surprised that he's not mad at me. I keep getting surprised that he is kind and patient. I keep getting, I, I keep getting found and I keep being surprised that I'm not who I think I am, that I am who he says I am. 
I keep getting surprised by it. I keep getting found in him, and I keep being surprised at the things that I thought were so horrible or the things that he, that he doesn't see me as weak and as having a short attention span and inconsistent. You know what he sees me as? He sees me as the one that he's been holding hands with all this time, and it surprises me. I keep getting surprised by the goodness of God and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm found. Here's what, here's what I believe that the Lord wants to do this morning. And I, I, I'm trying to lay a groundwork, so I'm not sure that I got us there the way that the Lord actually intended. I, I don't sense the, the same Abba help. Same thing that I felt when I was praying about this, but I'm just going to do this in faith this morning. This is what I believe. I believe um, that what he wants to do this morning is to tell somebody this morning, and I, I don't know, I don't know who it is. And I, I, I pray that it's multiple people, but to the people who are hiding, hiding behind a, hiding behind a covering, hiding behind a cover up, like like Adam and Eve did after after they were after they were duped. You've been hiding because you don't believe that you are good enough for him. You don't believe that he actually can love you. you you've grown disinterested and you've tried to be committed and you've tried to be consistent, but honestly, you just feel worse and worse and worse. I don't, and I'm telling you, that is, that is the truth being suppressed in unrighteousness and it's trying to make you somebody that you're not. But I, I believe this morning, if you can hear the voice of the Father and you say, and you say this in your heart, this is what's going on in your heart. You're saying, you know, I, 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 I haven't felt like I'm me and I, I know that there's more. And the love of the Father this morning, the love of the Father this morning in this room, I believe the one that go, leaves the 99 and goes after the one, I believe that there are people this morning who are going to be found and I believe you're going to be surprised by what he has to say. I believe you're going to be surprised that he was never looking for you to act like you had it all together. I believe you're going to be surprised this morning that what he has to say to you is not I'm angry, is not what happened there. I believe what he has to say to you is going to surprise you this morning if you'll just let him find you. I believe there are people in this room. I believe the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro. I believe the Lord is looking all over this place. And he's looking for people. I believe he knows who you are better than you know who you are. I believe there are people who have had wrong ideas about him. And they have wrongly, and they have made you have wrong ideas about you. I believe that we've had wrong ideas about Jesus and we've been the Jesus that we have been seeing, we have been portraying. And there are people today that are going to find out that he is the pearl and you are the pearl. And that he loves you. And that he'll set you free from, from not just from all of the things that hold you back, but he'll set you free from being lost trying to be somebody you're not just by saying to you, I love you. Got a generation of people trying to be somebody else. And, 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 and listen to me, it's the, the, the church has perpetuated. 
not good enough unless you're somebody else. No, he says, he says, you are what I always wanted. He says over us, you are what I always wanted. Why don't you come to me and let me wrap my arms around you? Why don't you come and quiet down all that noise? Because I know who you are. Because I know who I made you to be. Because I know what you are, and I know I made you. You're, you're part of me. And I know where you've been, and I know what you've done, but I don't care about any of that. You, today, you, you've been wandering, and today you're going to be found. There's nothing as good as being found and found in Jesus. You're going to find today that, that, that it's not just that he's found in you, but that you're actually in him, that there's a you in him that you have never found before, that has never been revealed to you before because you've been trying to check off the laundry list or you've been trying to earn something or you've been trying to be someone or you've been trying to climb a ladder or you've just been working on getting your works together so you could have your resume when it was time. Or you, or you just were hoping that you could, could not be found out while you were trying to clean up the mess. I don't care who you are this morning in this room. You are found. There is one of you, and the real you is in Christ. The real you is an image of the Father. The real you is too precious for him to have stayed in heaven. The real you is what Jesus died for. The real you is what the earth will burn up under, but it will not be, but you will remain. The real you is eternal. I believe it's the reason why the prodigal, when the prodigal son came home, it's the reason why the father didn't first say, let's get that pig slop on you. He put the robe and the ring. He put his uh, the authority and the identity right over all of it. Not because it takes care of it, but because he knows who you are even when you don't look like who you are. I don't know who it is in this place this morning, but the Father is saying to you, come on home. It's time to go from being lost to being found. It's time to go from lost to saved to lost to found. And he wants you. I don't know who this is for in this room. But he wants you. He always wanted you. And you may not feel wanted and you may feel inferior, but he wants you. I know we've said so many times, if you really want him, you'll do better. I'm telling you, he wants you. Surprise. He wants you. He knows who you are. So I pray over us this morning. I pray over us this morning that if it's running through our head and I was here and I was there and I did this and I was a deacon and I, I served on the such and such team and I, that all of that falls to the side, that all of that is not who you are. That is just what you did. Who you are is found in him. The father, the father knows who you are and he said, I want you to pray over us today for grace to respond to this this morning. Grace to not be justified by ourselves, a grace to not be, but a grace just to be found by the Father this morning. 
So if that's you uh, and you need to respond, you can find a place anywhere in this room. You can find a place on this altar. I'm just going to ask that we just stay here if you need to go. We bless you to go. I, I say you're the head, not the tail. You are the image of Almighty God, and there is no shame and condemnation. But there are some people who need to be wrapped up in the arms of the Father this morning. Because there's some people that have been believing lies about themselves. There are some people that have been believing that they're not loved. There's some people that have been believing that they're worthless. And there are some people that haven't been believing that they're a son of the Most High. That they are important. And they're not just important because, because you, you're His image. And because you're supposed to be a clean image. You're important because He puts some of Him in you. And, and there, He would have it no other way. If you need to find this, you need to find a place where you can be found this morning. There, it, let the confusion just fall off. So if you, there's too much, there's things the Father wants to do. So if you need to go or you need to do something with the food, I bless you to go. And we just honor you so much. We love you. But if it's you in this place this morning, if it's you in this place this morning, I'm telling you, the Father knows who you are, and He's not speaking this morning to what you're doing. He's speaking to you. Almighty oh, God. Speaking to you. He's saying, I know just who you are. I know just who you are. I think he's saying this morning, I found you. If you want to find you, meet me here. He's saying, I'm so glad I found you. I was looking for you. I know exactly what you are. You're mine. So all over this room, just, just let, just let him, just let him love you. Just be found. Just be, just be available to be found by God this morning. He, he knows where to find you. He knows what to do. He knows how to break all of that. Say, so he knows how to wrap you in his arms and say, I love you. He knows how to whisper over you a truth. He knows how to, he knows how to upgird you to hold up your arms. He knows how to grab you up and to keep you just let yourself this morning be found by the father and if, it doesn't matter where you are in this room if you just let this just happen to you let let the father just come through this place this morning this room and these hearts surprised 